Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest Happy Monday, Edwin. Hello, Andrew. As we're rolling into this week, there's a, a lot of joy spread about the land here locally. We hope so. Because there is a winter break. Winter you know, break. The kids are out for the Christmas holidays. And there is, you know, a Which lot of people... Which means actually maybe not a lot of joy, maybe still sleeping. I'm going to say. Still in bed. When they wake up a little later on and they <laughs> tune into text talk, as they always do. But without riding the bus, they may not hear it this week. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well, we'll just have to wait but, and see. Uh, they sure would be missing out because this week we're talking about Psalm 69. Ooh, what a psalm. This is a psalm. It I is mean, a psalm. It you is know, fantastic. It's one of those uh, favorites of the New Testament writers, yes. so it seems. Yes. In fact, it w- it'll be Good Friday all week long. Yeah, Jesus is all over this psalm. I mean, when, he is when, a lot of a lot of uh, callbacks to it or quotations of it. I should say in New Testament writings. Yes, several writers attribute this psalm and apply it to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, Psalm sixty nine. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. It is kind of lengthy, so we'll jump in here. To the choir master, according to lilies of David, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal must I now restore? O God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. O Lord God of hosts, let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who approach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate, and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me, or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul. Redeem me. Ransom me because of my enemies. You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Let their own table before them become a snare, and when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see, and make their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents, for they persecute him whom you have struck down, and they recount the pain of those you have wounded. Add to them punishment upon punishment. May they have no acquittal from you. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. But I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. 
This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah, and people shall dwell there and possess it. The offspring of his servant shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. Well, I really appreciate that reading. Uh, there is a lot going on in this psalm, and it is a lengthy psalm. You know, there's plenty of material there for the Holy Spirit to draw from and different writers, later writers. Uh, I was talking about um, New Testament writers before you started reading, and I'm thinking about John, and I'm thinking about Paul. Uh, but uh, even before we get there in the opening lines of this psalm, you have this uh, crying out for salvation. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my, the New King James says neck, but I believe it is the word soul. And we find this in the prayer of Jonah uh, when he is cast into the deep uh, in his defiance of the will of God and the plan of God uh, in the prophet Jonah and two. Verse number five, the waters surrounded me, even to my soul, the deep closed around me, weeds were wrapped around my head. And so you have this picture here then of this psalm speaking to the prophets of God, the apostles of God, uh, descriptive of the, of the situations. There's often this view of water as chaos, as as the, what is fomenting around, mm-hmm. and especially with uh, the kind of the view that water seas are a picture of even the nations. You can see as David, as he's writing, yeah. we, we might use that not just to talk about his own imperiled situation, but if there's something going on with the nations around him, water is often used that way. In any event, this concept of drowning is very much a picture of being attacked, of being overwhelmed in a way that I can't do anything about. Yeah, and and there's a lot of that in this psalm. Yeah. You know, getting drugged down into the bottom, into the pit, being covered over this water, and and how how can I escape it? Being swept away into the deep. Mm-hmm. So some look at this. I, I will tell you, I... I'm not sure how we get biblically away from this being written by David. The heading says David. Paul attributes it to David sure. in Romans chapter 11. I guess there are some ways that, that plenty of people try to get around that. Uh, a lot of folks see Jeremiah in this. And because of this opening, when they think about when Jeremiah was cast into the pit. He was in a pit. He was in a yeah. pit, and it came up. However, it didn't have water, and yeah. it wasn't about something where he would be swept away into the deep. Uh, well, the, you know, and, and that's a fascinating thing, that you can see Jeremiah and his persecution and actually spending time in a literal pit. Uh, Jonah, like I said, that lines up pretty tight, where he is cast into the deep, so wait, the wait, ocean. Wait. Are you saying that we start to see a pattern about God's people and how they get what happens to them? I think we are seeing a pattern here. And so we should not be surprised when we get to the ultimate of God's chosen Right. And it, it, it fits him as well. Well, and the, the, there's this pit Jeremiah is in, there's this deep that Jonah is in, and then you have Christ in death, mm. right? The pit. The pit. Sheol, mm-hmm. the place of the dead. Yeah. And he is delivered from that. Joseph had been in the pit. Daniel ends up oh, in the lion's exactly den, right. which is a pit. Which is a pit. This, what, what we have is the same imagery for God's chosen over and over and over again for the one who intercedes for some people so that they can be saved. This is what we find happening again and again and again. And in most of those cases, again, I, I think Jonah would be a little bit of an outlier. 
there's it's wrong that they've been cast into a pit mm. <laughs> you know it seems like they're, they're just being faithful and doing the right thing but it is the enemies of god and because they are rebelling against god they take god's chosen one his mouthpiece's prophet and and they cast him in a pit yeah jonah doesn't him. end up in the in the in the fish and in the deep because of somebody else's sin, but because of his own. Yeah. However, I think the, the parallel is still this idea. He is the one that comes along and does the teaching that causes Nineveh to repent, which allows them to be yes, saved. Yes, that's and true. I think that's the parallel that we see. The one who goes into the pit, who goes into mm-hmm. the deep, ends up being the one God uses in order to deliver some people. Yes. The, the interesting thing about Jonah is that that's actually Gentiles that are delivered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, but but your distinction becomes important, at least with this psalm, because with this psalm, we have this really great quote, and in John chapter 15 and verse 25, mm-hmm. it is applied to Jesus, where he says, they hate me without cause. Right. They hate me without cause. From That's Psalm 69 verse 4. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, from, no problem. Verse four. They're, they're hating me with, so more in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Now, Psalm 35 and verse 19 also mentions the idea of being hated without cause. Yes. So so in John 15, when that's being referred to, it could be either one of these psalms. And yet it is that concept we find in Jesus, people who hate him without cause. Yeah. And here in this psalm, now this psalm is interesting because in verse 4, it's, look, they're attacking me with lies. What I did not steal must I now restore? I, mm-hmm. I didn't steal this thing. So, so yeah. there's something that he's being accused of that's not true. And then verse 5, oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Yes. So here's the interesting thing. The writer of the psalm, David, is not saying, I'm 100% innocent, I've never done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. He said, look, God, you know what I've done wrong, and you know the foolish things I've done, but this thing... I didn't yeah, do this thing. I didn't do that this, thing. This is, I am innocent right now, and what, what's this attack that's coming at me is, is without guilt. It's, there is no cause for this. Now, I think this is important, mm-hmm. especially as we see this pointing toward Jesus, because there's so oftentimes we look at Psalms today and we're like, oh, that one can't be about Jesus, because look, here's this thing that's not true of Jesus. Uh, especially the ones that talk about sin or, you know, David, as he's talking about being delivered from death and we know, well, yeah, but David wasn't delivered from death. David actually ends up in the grave. Well, what we find attributed to David in a moderated sense, Mm -hmm. in a metaphorical sense, in Jesus is often in an uh, literal sense, in a literal sense, and in an extreme sense. Okay. And so D- David does get delivered from death over and over and over again, and he has life that continues on until he's an old man. He makes it through battles. He makes right. it through attacks. Right. But yes, eventually he does die, and his body is buried there, whereas Jesus it literally mm-hmm. is does escape death. And I think the same thing here. David is innocent of whatever this accusation is, whereas when we look at Jesus, he is innocent of every accusation. You know, you mentioned uh, this quotation coming up in John 15, and uh, what you have in John 15 is this record of the Lord and speaking with his disciples on the night of his betrayal. True. And if you don't mind, I want to read just a little bit of it. In John 15 and verse okay, I don't mind. 18, Jesus is telling his disciples, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 
Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. And if I had not done among them the works, which no one else did, they would uh, have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So a few things going on there. But I wanted to highlight that you are not greater than your master. They hated Jesus without cause. He had done no wrong against them. Christians might expect to be treated this way as well. He goes on to explain that he taught and they heard, and so they are without excuse. He did miracles they saw, and so that they are without excuse. And there's plenty of demonstration and evidence, if you will, that he is the Christ, the Son of God among them, but he they hated him without a cause. Is John commenting that the word the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled? They hated me without cause? Or is, is that Jesus saying that? I would need to read that a little bit closer. The way it's laid out in my scripture, it looks like Jesus is still the one quoting That's it. how the ESV has it also. Okay, that's that, the way it is in New That it's James. Jesus talking. And if so, then that's Jesus himself saying, hey, you remember that Psalm 69? Yeah, exactly. That one's about me. That one's me. That one's me. And the, um, I guess, cost of discipleship or price of discipleship for those who follow me. He's hated without a cause. And you will be as well. Yeah, so David is hated without cause. So tying together kind of the, the connection about David versus Jesus, Jesus versus us, mm. we, us being hated without cause does not mean we've never done anything wrong. Right. It's, it's the Correct. thing that they bring against us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, look, we're not guilty of that. The accusations that they make, you guys are haters, you guys are bigots, you guys are, you know, because they call evil good and good evil. Mm-hmm. Sure, we have done things, we have sinned, we have done things wrong, but... We are hated in this regard without cause. We've not done anything to uh, incur this kind of hate or wrath. Yeah. You know, similarly, I'm, I think of First Peter 4. Or at least we're not supposed to have. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. In First Peter 4 and verse 14, I, that, that's kind of what Peter says there, not that we should have. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed. On your part, he is glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, yeah. or as a busybody. There are reasons to be hated and yes. to suffer, right? Verse, and we're not 16, supposed to do those. And don't do those. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God. Being a Christian is set then in opposition to being a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, a busybody, right? And wow. so because we're acting faithfully to Christ, we're not guilty of these things. We're not incurring or should not be incurring the hate of others. But you're going to be hated because you're a Christian. Well, I'm glad everybody's out of school this week because we got a lot to say probably on each conversation. <laughs> but it's time to wrap up today, brother. Well, I, I know it. Time got with us. But, you know, we were we were recording for a while today. <laughs> Go ahead and lead us in prayer. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your word in this psalm. We know that we will be taught and instructed greatly throughout this week. Help us, Father, to steal ourselves, to walk in faithfulness to Christ, understanding that we too may be hated without cause. But Father, may we be faithful to you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. 
You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. I looked for pity, but there was none. And for comforter, I looked for pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave my... I looked for pity, but there was none, and found comforters. Good night. (laughs) Okay, let's try it again.